Well, good morning, everyone. It is great to have you all here with us, whether you're on site or online today. My name is Alex, and I'm the student minister here at Andover Baptist Church. And it is a real privilege to be speaking to you all today and concluding what has been an amazing series that we've been exploring this month. So far in this series, we've been looking at questions which guide us on the path to making better decisions and having fewer regrets. And if you've missed any of these talks or any of these services, you can catch up with them anytime on our YouTube channel. But I think actually it'd be really helpful for us all today just to go through and recap the questions that we've looked at so far. So first up in the series, uh, Chris kicked off with the integrity question, am I being honest with myself? Then we looked at the legacy question, what story do I want to tell? Then we had the conscience question, is there a tension that I need to pay attention to? Tension highlighting that something perhaps is not quite right. And last week, we had Rob talking to us about the maturity question. What is the wise thing to do? And today, as Chris has already mentioned, I'm going to be looking at the final question, which is the relationship question. What does love require of me? What does love require of me? I think this is possibly the most challenging question of all. And we've just seen as uh, Chris, Ivan, Nina and Paula have done an amazing enactment this morning. We've just seen in that story of Jesus with his disciples where Jesus washed their feet. This was so radical because Jesus was their teacher. He was their rabbi. He was their master. And they were the ones who were meant to serve him. And yet he chose to take the place and position of a servant in this incredible act of love when he chose to wash their feet. I don't know about you, but for me, the thought of washing someone else's feet <laughs> is not all that easy, even if they're covered in uh, what was icing sugar and sweets and chocolate pudding and things. But especially, and as they showed earlier, that if they were dirty and smelly, dusty feet, have been walking on roads a long time, that must have been a really difficult thing. It would take a lot of mental strength for me personally to do that. But we know, don't we, that Jesus loved his disciples, and that is why he was willing to serve them. So I thought I'd ask us all a question this morning. What would you do for love? What would you do for love? Love is a powerful force, isn't it? It's the driving force behind so much of life. Love is written about in so many songs and music. We see it in movies all the time. It inspires so much of what we do. And in fact, there's a song that's been on my mind uh, recently, and maybe you've all heard it at the moment. It's high up on the iTunes charts because it's a song that was written by the artist known as Meatloaf, who uh, very sadly passed away recently. And it's a song that's called I Would Do Anything for Love. And it's a very well-known song, isn't it? If not one of his most famous. And to be honest, the, the lyrics are a little bit unusual, but I think they make an interesting point. In those famous lines of the chorus that say, I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. 
And I know there's been a lot of speculation about what these lyrics really mean. But I think what they get at is that love can compel us to do things that aren't always good for relationship. And I was thinking about this a little bit recently in preparing for today, and I thought I'd do a little bit of research on the internet, which is always a bit dangerous. And I discovered that people do all sorts of weird and wonderful things in the name of love. People move country, they quit their job, change their name, they take up new interests, pretend they don't, like other, don't have other interests, they give up everything. In fact, one article I was reading uh, said that people do such bizarre things when they're in love that they even decide to get married. <laughs> I can only imagine who wrote the article. And yes, I'm looking at my husband right now. <laughs> But even before this stage, when people, you know, get married, do that crazy thing, uh, the way that people propose to each other nowadays is reaching new levels, isn't it? You may have seen those videos on social media and on the internet of people proposing in all sorts of dangerous and unusual scenarios. For example, while scuba diving or bungee jumping, maybe surprising someone on TV or flying halfway around the world. And one example I came across, uh, which is utterly ridiculous, and disclosure, this is not a good idea. I read that somebody actually staged uh, that they had been involved in a serious accident in order to make the proposal just that bit more surprising. <laughs> I'm really not sure how the girlfriend must have felt when she arrived at the scene, probably completely distraught and thinking the worst only for her boyfriend at the time to uh, propose. So again, not an advisable thing to do at all, but utterly, uh, yeah, mind-blowing. Love can bring out the best and the worst in us, can't it? I think we know this. On one end of the scale, love has led to so many incredible acts of bravery, sacrifice, and service that we see in the world today in amazing ways. But then on the other side, and as history often reminds us, people have done some awful and horrendous things in the name of love. And I think that there is a truth here, that just because something is done in the name of love, it may not be in the spirit of love. It may not be loving at all, actually. And I think this brings us back to that original question. What does love require of me? It's not always that easy to know the answer, is it? So to explore this today, I want to go back to that story which uh, Chris and Ivan uh, and Nina were telling us, or showing us a little bit earlier on. I want to go back to that scene where Jesus was with a group of his closest friends and disciples. They'd gathered together to have a meal together, which would be their last meal, because it was the night before Jesus would die. On this night, Jesus gathered with his disciples, and it's here that he washed their feet in that act of love and service. And it was also there that Jesus told them of what lay ahead. He told them that he was going to die. This was Jesus' final opportunity to speak with his closest friends and followers to leave them with words and advice that would remain with them for the rest of their lives. And we're so blessed that we have these words written down, recorded in the New Testament part 
of the Bible. And in John's account of that event, John was one of the disciples there that night with Jesus and the others. He records that Jesus said this, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. The message is really clear, isn't it? He repeats it many times. They are to love one another. And in fact, this command wouldn't have been anything new to the disciples. But what was new was the way Jesus was explaining that they were to live it out. You see, Jesus and his disciples, his followers, had grown up in Jewish culture. They had many commands and rules in their faith already. And at the heart of all of these commands, and as Jesus had previously summarized to them, there was two key points, two key commands. Firstly, to love God. And secondly, to love others as you love yourself. So love God and love others. So Jesus telling his disciples to love one another wouldn't have been all that surprising to them. But he goes on to explain how they are to love each other. As I have loved you, he said, so you must love one another. I reckon there was complete silence in the room at that moment. Jesus, who's the son of God, God in human flesh, was asking them, mere mortals, to love one another as he had loved them, as God loves them. This would definitely have been a new and radical concept and incredibly challenging too. So how had Jesus loved them? What did this entail? Well, we know from the accounts that we have in the Bible that Jesus loved them selflessly. He put their needs first. He loved them with understanding and forgiveness. He was always patient with them, even when they didn't understand. He was always wanting them to learn and grow. And most importantly of all, he loved them sacrificially. There was nothing that Jesus would not do for them. And in fact, they were about to see this. They were about to witness this in the most extreme and powerful way, far beyond Jesus washing their feet in that act of love and service. Because Jesus was soon to be arrested and handed over for Roman crucifixion, and he would die the most awful of deaths. But Jesus was willing to do this because he loved them and all because he loves humanity. He was willing to give his life in this most dramatic act of sacrificial love because there's nothing more that you can give than that, than your own life, is there? Jesus demonstrated that love is incredibly costly, that it may demand great things of us, but that it is worth the sacrifice. And this is not an easy standard to live up to. One of the earliest uh, leaders of the Christian faith, a man called Paul, gives us some really helpful advice on this topic. 
Paul lived uh, around and after the time of Jesus, so almost 2,000 years ago, and he wrote uh, letters to Christians, kind of small Christian communities that were growing up all over the Middle East and what we know now as Europe. And in a letter that he wrote to Christians living in Corinth, which is modern-day Greece, he unpacks what love is all about. And he writes this. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And actually it goes on to say that love never fails. And I love this. What a great explanation of love we have here. So what does love require of me? Well, I think based on what he's written here, Paul's answer would be this. Love requires me to be patient, to be kind, not to envy, not to boast, not to be proud, to honor others, to be selfless, not to be easily angered, and to keep no record of wrongs. Love requires me to rejoice with the truth, to to protect, to trust, to hope, and to persevere. Well, that is certainly quite an ambitious and a little bit overwhelming list, isn't it? I don't know about you, but for me, just looking at these, even trying to do one of these points would be a challenge. (laughs) Andy Stanley, who uh, is a church leader in America and actually the author of this series we're doing at the moment, distills this down into one really helpful idea that I think will make it a lot easier for us to understand. He says that ultimately... Love works to protect the relationship. Love works to protect the relationship. Let's just think about that for a moment. And if we look back at that list uh, from Paul, I think that is so true, isn't it? Each of those things, each of those points on the list works to protect the relationship. And we see this in the perfect example of Jesus, which is why he uses himself as the benchmark when he gives that command to his disciples. You know, that's also what was going on when Jesus was on the cross. He was giving up himself and everything that he had for the sake of our relationship with God so that the relationship between God and humanity could be reconciled and ultimately protected. Love protects a relationship. And in fact, everything that Jesus did during his earthly life here 2,000 years ago when he walked the earth, everything he did protected the relationship that he had with others. Which is why if you are in relationship with Jesus today, be reassured that he will do everything to protect that relationship. But any relationship requires more than one party, doesn't it? It requires us to hold up our side of things too. So, what does love require of me? What does love require of you? Well, it's simply this. To act in a way that protects 
our relationship with others. And that isn't easy. It takes effort. It takes perseverance. It takes all that we have. And we aren't going to be able to live up to the perfect example of Jesus, of how to love like Jesus. But we can try. And that's what Jesus wants us to do. And the good news is that we aren't in this alone. God is with us. He wants to help us. And actually the best way he does this is by inviting us into that personal relationship with Jesus and we also get an amazing helper called the Holy Spirit who makes God's presence known to us and who is our guide. So if you are struggling today in any area of your relationships, as I'm sure most of us are because relationships can be hard work, I wonder, have you asked God for help? Are you looking to Jesus for that support Maybe you are listening and you're watching today and you're just exploring faith. Maybe you aren't sure what to make of it all. I would really love to encourage you to take a next step and reach out to the God that maybe you're not even sure even exists. Why not ask for his help and see what happens? Maybe even get hold of a Bible and read about this person called Jesus. Read those accounts that we have in the New Testament part of the Bible. Find out about him for yourself. And here at ABC, if you're somebody exploring faith or on your journey of faith, we would love to help you. So please do reach out to us and get in touch so we can support you in that journey. And if you're not sure what love requires of you today, because there's a lot there, isn't there? There's a lot to think about. Why not spend some time this week reflecting on Jesus' command to love one another as he has loved us? Why not spend time thinking over that list of what love is like and what love requires of us? And maybe one thing on that list will speak to you in particular this week. And here at ABC, we've made a way to help you with that. So for those of you on site, we produce these little uh, printouts, these little flyers that hopefully you were handed on the way in. And if not, you can grab one on the way out. And it's got that list printed on it. We'd love for you to take that home, put it on your fridge, on your notice board, or just keep it with you and let it speak to you this week. Just keep notice, keep note of it this week. And if you're joining us online, the image is going to fill the screen in just a moment as I pray. So you can take a screenshot or maybe just look at it over the next minute or so. And hopefully we'll put it up on social media a little bit later on. So let's pray together. Loving God, we just thank you for who you are. We thank you that you love us so much that you sent your son, Jesus, to walk this earth and to be that perfect example of how we are to love one another and to be that perfect example of sacrificial love and service. Lord, you know each of our hearts. You know where we are right now. You know perhaps what we are going through in our own relationships. And we need your help. So I just pray that you'll speak to each of us today and throughout the week. 
Show us how we can respond to what love requires of us. Show us the way to protect our relationships. And may we know that you are always with us, that you love us and that you care for us. Amen.